Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Hello and welcome to the podcast Thriving in Intersectionality. My guest today is Richard Nelson. Richard, I was privileged to connect with in 2022, and I'm glad he got to be my first guest recording for the year 2023. Richard has a BS in mechanical engineering with a minors in business finance and computer science. Richard Nelson, the fifth, works at Motorola Solutions. He's worked on redesigning and testing critical devices that play a crucial role in emergency environments. And he recently started a new role as the manager of DEI External Engagement. Richard loves playing basketball, making music, and working on tech projects for his small business, Ina Lutz Innovations, as well as working with underrepresented students. I had fun chatting today with Richard about ERG and his passions and his path. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of my podcast. Hi, Richard. I'm glad to have you here. Hi, Lola. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to this. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, and I was just sharing that you are my first recording this year. You're actually my first work call. And um, this, this episode is going to release later this month, but... I am glad I was able to connect with you last year and get this on um, as soon as possible. So let's meet you, Richard. Can you share a little bit about your background and any context around your identities that you want to? Sure thing. Yep. So uh, a little background myself. So Richard Nelson V, um, you know, born here. I'm from South Florida. In my, I'm from Miami originally. Um, I identify as a black male. Um, I'm 25 years old, Christian. Um, and a husband, um, and also son, brother. I'm very family-oriented, so a lot of my identities I've, I've channeled through my family as well. Um, outside of that, from a day job perspective, um, I graduated from school, um, from university, with my bachelor's in mechanical engineering and minors in computer science and in business. So I dabbled a little bit um, there. There's a story behind that. Um, and I joined Motorola Solutions as a mechanical engineer. Um, I bounced around a few different 
roles, um, starting off as a mechanical engineer. Um, I, tried, I was able to join an engineering rotation program, which exposed me to other engineering roles, which was really enjoyable. And most recently, um, I've taken my largest career jump and actually pivoted into a DEI role. Um, so I'm not, my official title now is manager of DEI stakeholder engagement. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to dive in and ask all about that dabble because we all dabble. And I think a lot of the people I talk to, um, it's not even about the age. Like we're all trying to figure out what I want to do, what I want to do next. Um, But it sounds like you already did a lot of the dabbling in school, which for me is actually commendable. um, Because a lot of us from school, we just got the degree and then come out trying to figure that out. So how did you choose the major and all of the combinations that you had for school? Good question. So in, in school, um, well, before I got to college, um, I knew that I, I was already interested in engineering. I know growing up, I give my mom, I give both our parents a lot of credit, but especially my mom on the education side. Both my parents have been teachers for most of their careers. And my mom has been a teacher for like an entirety of her career. Um, so she really reinforced like a lot of like math and reading at an early age. And I just really took to the math side a lot. Um, I used to love building things as a kid. Um, I used to, my parents would always get on me sometimes for like, I was asking for like tape or batteries or going to Home Depot, trying to build stuff in the house. So I always knew that I had a passion for, for building things. Um, And so engineering just made sense. I, I, I love cars. I still love cars, even though I'm not working in the industry today. So mechanical engineering kind of, you know, I gravitated towards that. Uh, But once I actually got to uh, to university, so I went to Florida Atlantic University here in South Florida. Um, During my time there, I realized that while a lot of my love for building things I could get with an engineer, a mechanical engineering degree, I realized that I also really, really loved um, like coding. Um, I don't know if I would do it like on a on, you know all day every day, but I saw the power um, behind being able to know how to code and also knowing how to how to build with my hands mm-hmm. as well too. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, so that led to me actually. Part of the reason why I added my minor was for that reason. The other reason was because I actually had a class where if I would have known how to code earlier. I would have passed the class. And the first time I took the class, it was the first and only time I'd ever failed a class in my life. So um, as I'm a very competitive person and I'm also, <laughs> because my mom also and my dad raised me to be very, you know, academic um, and put, you know, put my education as a high priority. That one kind of, you know, hurt a lot in the moment. So I was like, how can I be better next time around? So that's when I decided to officially add it as a minor. Um, and I did way better <laughs> the second time around. So that was good. Um, and then I've always been very entrepreneurial in spirit, which I can talk more about as well, too. Um, so wanting to have some more context for like that business and finance um, okay. side of the house. So that's where adding on that minor. Originally, it was going to be a major, but just too many credits at <laughs> the time. So wow. add, them, add them as minors. Yeah, because that's a very interesting combination. And discovering all of that, again, also talks about background and identity and some of the things that you enjoy doing. And how we can use that to shape a path for ourselves, and 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 you're still shaping it. Absolutely. So, um, well, thank you for sharing that with us, because I'm still like trying to wrap my head around making all of that decision so young, <laughs> <laughs> and and deciding on that, and who knows where you're going to study next, because I, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yeah, uh, well, nice to meet you. And then um, let's go into your entry into the workplace and what that experience has been like, uh, because you are in the tech space, you are in um, a very tough 
industry. So yeah. I was getting in for you. And then um, and then we're going to, let me split it into two because I want to ask about how you got involved with employee resource groups. So okay. let's start with how was your experience getting into work, getting your role? Good question. Okay, so um, I'm actually, to give some context for that, I want to mention something else that also happened in college as well too. Um, so I'm the first engineer in my family. So when I knew that I wanted to become an engineer, I, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of folks. I didn't have anyone immediately that I knew that I could ask questions about, you know, when it okay. came to, you know, what type of classes I should take, um, what type of, you know, should I, how can I get internships? All that was very new. Mm -hmm. um, so starting back actually even as early as high school, um, I'm th very thankful that some of the scholarships that I got were connected with organizations. So at one, mm -hmm. for example, was called the um, American Association for Blacks and Energy. And through them, I was able to get some funding to help go to school, which was great for the short term. But then for the long term, I was able to work with them and learn about internship opportunities, which gave me some job experience, right? So as a college student, I was able to start working in the industry and that helped a lot. Um, after that, I mean, partnering with organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers and the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, uh, everything that I pretty much know, or that I, at least by the time I graduated college, everything that I knew about engineering outside of the classroom really came from the relationships that I developed and cultivated from being a part of those organizations. So cool. now as a full-time, you know, as a professional now um, after graduating, um, I love partnering with those organizations because being a first generation like engineer, I realize how important it is to have supportive networks that give back to the community and help yeah. connect people that have traditionally been, you know, disenfranchised and, you know, not, you know, proposed with these opportunities in STEM. Um, but yet there's so much talent in these communities and the kids oftentimes just don't know that, you know, the opportunities for their careers are, um, are there. So I was very blessed to be able to enjoy that. And with that in mind, you know, being able to have mentors in those spaces in college um, th throughout, you know, all four years, when I got to industry and I was looking, you know, we kind of, you know, navigate corporate America and understand what it was like to work as a, you know, a, a full-time engineer, a lot, it, I feel like the transition was, it wasn't perfect, right? But I think it was made a lot better because of the things that I had learned from internships and from mentors throughout college. Um, I will say that being at Motorola, one of my favorite things that happened when I first started was really because of my involvement with Shep and Nesby. Um, because when I was, like I mentioned, because I was so passionate about supporting them because they supported me, you know, and I, they basically created um, these different forums for me to learn. I wanted to make sure that Motorola was involved in those spaces as well. So when I found out that they were doing some things, but I, I wanted to see them doing, doing more, I was like, well, there's an opportunity for me to help out. Um, so that was aside from me, you know, getting my footing on the engineering side and helping out with, you know, different projects, I was able to learn how to lead and, and network in the company in that space. And that that's largely shaped a lot of my career path today to this, to this day, for sure. Yeah, no, that's important. Thanks for sharing that because I think there's a lot of conversations around, um, talent development and mm -hmm. mentoring and building the pipeline now and, and it's definitely not something everybody has access to, right? but there's, there's that opportunity. There's more we can do to make sure that it, mentoring and partnerships doesn't start when people are hired. I mean, we know that from the numbers of <laughs> the, the hiring numbers, right? We need that exposure to begin to happen. Yep. My school from college. Yep. So 
Thanks for sharing that, um, how that experience helped you and how you are giving back as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things to do is give back, honestly. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, um, but I mentioned that both my parents are teachers. So I think mm-hmm. I kind of feel at home in a classroom. <laughs> so going back to volunteer at different middle schools and high schools, like I always love doing that. I do at the college level as well um, for the universities that are nearby. We um, we, we, we sense in... Uh... Side side hobby, side career, I, right here. <laughs> a little, you know, I, I always tell people that when I retire, I would love to become a professor. So it's definitely in the it's in the works. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, it's funny because I grew up. My dad was a professor. My dad was a college professor, but I grew up not wanting to be a professor. I was oh, like, really? I'm never going to teach. Right? Like, no, <laughs> I'm going into corporate. A few years ago, I found myself teaching. <laughs> <laughs> teaching part-time and uh, and that's really what I do now with my workshops and facilitation so wow. um, my one of my siblings was making fun of me like it's been in your blood you know right. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah well thanks for joining me thanks for everything that you do and for sharing that um, I hope that already inspires somebody to you know rethink the initiatives around DEI that the organization is doing and also for somebody to pick up mentoring, finding mentors and, and, and um, engaging the mentors. Yes. So um, let's talk about employee resource groups and how you got plugged in. There's a why story behind it. Um, I'd love to hear it. Sure. Okay. So I joined Motorola back in August um, and that's where I'll start when I, from when it comes to how I got involved with employee resource groups, because when I first joined, I mentioned that I wanted to get involved with, as a professional, was like Nesbian Chef, for example, right? So my first thought was, was okay, well, do they are there any groups internally that already do that? So in doing that, I found out that, you know, Motorola has these, uh, we call them business councils, but they're employee resource groups, it's the exact same thing. Different companies will call them, you know, like different names. Right, right. Um, and at the time, we had a group called the Multicultural Business Council, right? So okay. it's basically a mixture of, Black, um, Hispanic, and Latino, and um, Asian and Pacific Islander um, like leaders that come together to kind of form this this council, um, and they hosted events and they had you know different volunteer out, um, out you know and outreach opportunities. So I was like, oh, perfect! This seems like a good place for me to network and to help mm-hmm. out and to help host some events. So I got started there um, locally here at the the Fort Lauderdale Plantation Office here in South Florida, okay. and in doing that. I, I, you know, during some some calls that I was on, you know, we were looking for ideas for the following year and at the time, which was next the following year is 2022. I mean, it was 2020, excuse me. And I was like, hey, you know, have you all heard of Nesbian Chef? Like, you know, maybe we can host some events with the students, help, you know, set up some mentorship, go to the convention and do some hiring. Right. That's kind of what I, the things I was talking about. And it started to catch on because people were like, oh, this sounds really good. Let's let's try it out. So I actually had an opportunity, uh, Motorola's headquartered in Chicago. So that following January, I actually flew up. So it was the first time I ever flew, flew corporate, right? So it was still like a normal flight, but I didn't pay for it. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> you know, <right? laughs> so I like that. It was a normal flight. <laughs> exactly. Normal flight, but I didn't pay for it. That's the part that was my favorite. <laughs> so it so was our first time in Chicago. Um, it was definitely pretty cold because it was January, um, so oh, yeah. it was a whole new city, but I, I loved it. It was like a rush. And I, basically, I basically flew up there to give a presentation with some of the other business council leaders um, in the company on ideas for the year um, to be able to secure some funding to see how we were going to use it for the, for the 2020, 2020 fiscal year. 
And, you know, after my partner and I gave our presentation, we got the funding that we needed, um, which was great. Um, so that was, you know, the kind of the first step. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, it was like, okay, you know, there is, there was some, you know, it was met with some level of uncertainty. It was like, well, this is all new, right? And anyone who's participating in a lot of these big conventions, like, you know, they know it can take thousands of dollars to, you know, build these partnerships and to establish them, to be able to actually leverage them and connect with different talent. Um, so it, it definitely is a risk. Um, but I think that, you know, the passion was felt and I'm glad that we were given the opportunity now fast forward to you know 2023 and we have corporate partnerships with Nesby and Shep and we were already corporate partners with Society of Women Engineers which is sweet so I, I'm so glad to see that that's blossomed into this you know this, these larger partnerships and I've been blessed to be able to attend the different you know career fairs especially with Nesby and Shep because I've been involved with them since I was a student um, and help out with our presence at the career fairs and at different hosting different workshops so i've been a guest speaker at, at the different conventions as well um and that's kind of where everything got started was really from that avenue um now the other part of that outside of you know the recruitment and volunteering um i also was passionate just about cultivating the multicultural business council at the time right and helping to grow it which i was very passionate about doing and, I, and we made a lot of progress with the team that i was on and around, so this is also 2020, um, summer 2020 is, was when, you know, the murder of George Floyd happened. And that sparked a lot of conversations that traditionally in corporate America weren't happening that often. Um, and with Motorola being a company, you know, that, you know, a lot of our customers work in public safety. A lot of people were like, can we even talk about this? Because it feels like it's very sensitive, you know, between right. different communities of, um, and, you know, it was, it was, it was hard to, to navigate. Right uh, for a lot of folks, um, but what was what I'm really proud of Motorola for doing is that at least we t- we had the courage to start talking about it and feeling c- um, comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, it's a, we're not, we definitely haven't arrived. You know, there's I don't think there's any guru yes. of you know of in that space. Um, but I'm proud to say that we were at least able to talk about it a lot more than we were before, and we have some programming that's come out of that. Um, one of the things that also happened was because since the, the multicultural business council at the time was growing so much, we're like, Hey, I think we need to be three separate ERGs so we can make sure we all get the visibility and funding that we need and still work together and, you know, around, you know, dimensions of intersectionality. Um, so that, that was the first time where we started having separate committees. And then last year, you know, in 2022, it, we made, the company made it official where the, you know, we have. Uh, MAPI, which is the Motorola Asian Pacific Islander Business Council. We have Latinx for our, our, our Hispanic and Latinx employees. Um, and it's, they're open to all employees, I should, I should say. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the demographic that's being you know catered to. Okay. Um, and then we have Embito, which is the Motorola Black Inclusion and Diversity Organization. Um, okay. and I love I love the acronyms. <laughs> I can't take credit for for Embito. I, I I love the word. It's from um, it's Ebo in origin. It means the beginning. And at the time, it felt like it was really the beginning of something big. From what yeah. origin? Uh, Ibo. Um, the, oh, um, I knew. I felt familiar with that. I am yeah. from Nigeria, so Ibo is a tribe in Nigeria. There you go. So you already know exactly. <laughs> well, I knew it sounded familiar, but I don't. I'm not from Ibo. I I can recognize the language ah, okay. Ibo, but I am Yoruba. But Ibo is one of the tribes, so I was like, oh, oh I felt it. <laughs> I love it. I have a friend of mine who's also Yoruba. So that's that's cool. I want. I, I want someday. I want to be able to visit and see a lot of countries in Africa. I, I want to connect more with my history. That's a whole other story. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Well, you can come back 
we check in with you in a couple of years because I'm sure you would be doing more amazing things. That <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, um, thank you for sharing that. I, I think a lot of what I hear from your story, from your why, from your how, is you taking the initiative. Again, you you enjoyed the benefits of some things, and you joined. I mean, pretty new to the industry, pretty new to the corporate world, uh, but you took the step to be a part of what's going on and to get your voice heard, not just be a part of benefiting, but right. also contributing. So um, different perspectives, different stories around ERG leaders, but part of the key reason why I want to have you here, why I want to speak with ERG leaders is there's always something that drives us to step up and and uh, volunteer. And I use us because I started my DEI journey as well as an ERG member. And, and it's part of why I am passionate about ERGs is, you know, there's a lot we can learn from that. There's a lot of opportunities to to leverage ERG leaders and, and experiences to reach other corporate employees who maybe have similar, you know, intersectional identities and they are thinking of ways to grow their career or how to get out of maybe a rut and thinking, right. of, I want to do more. I want to advance. I don't even know where to start. Um, right. and I always drive people to see what's happening in the organization as far as employee resource groups are concerned. So, um, I also love you sharing about helping the company navigate the awareness, acknowledgement that there's right. something going on to actual action. Yes. Uh, and I, and I think that's also important when we talk about the impact ERGs could potentially have on the organization is it's a journey, right? You don't just say we have these and we have this statement up on our website and no company is doing it perfectly. Right. You know, there's always room for growth, room to be better, room to uh, influence um, different kinds of change. So um, obviously you have a new role. So congratulations. Uh, I can see how that is shaping, but do you have anything specific uh, specifically that you want to share about your um, ERG experience and, and career path so far, right? Like what's your favorite thing about being part of an ERG? Oh, great question. So <laughs> favorite, my favorite thing. So, I mean, also happening over the last few years, obviously was, you know, global, you know, pandemic and being a new, a new hire, you know, less than a year in and, you know, every, I get, you get an email saying, all right, everyone go home. Right. <laughs> It's very, it's kind, of, it's kind of intimidating. It's like, whoa, okay, this is like, is that, are we going to be okay? Right. <laughs> um, and I think that again, very, I'm thankful to God we that the company navigated that whole process, I think very well. Um, but as a new employee, I was like, well, how do I network with people? How do I meet people? How do I maintain these relationships? And because everything shifted to virtual, I think it actually made it, I would dare say a little bit easier because I was able to meet people from different cities, even from different mm-hmm. countries um just by being able to simply have you know set up a, a video call and meet with them and, and that was more of the normal thing to do prior to you know in comparison with prior to um covid right. uh, so being a part of of uh, erg and especially with Invito, because i basically I because, because i became the, the founding president of Invito, um that brought a lot of opportunities to have reoccurring meetings and discussions with different people um whether it was um, leaders from other ERGs, um, because I, I am involved with some of the other ERGs as well, but I, did, I just will have to be president of Invito. Um, but whether it be conversational intersectionality, which we were able to host, 
um, or planning events and programming within the business council, or even having visibility senior leadership. I mean, I, I've, I'm very blessed because I've had a chance to meet everyone from, you know, other managers from other parts of the company to even our CEO um, on a video call before because of the opportunities provided by being a, being a business council leader um, or an ERG leader. So I think hands down, my favorite part is just getting a chance to meet new people mm -hmm. and, and being able to work with people to actually, you know, strategize and sustain an impact. Um, it's a lot of fun. I feel like it's very fulfilling work. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's, that's really important because if you think about the world of work now, um, even for companies that are going back, it, it's not back to the way it was before. Right. It's now a new appreciation for virtual work. And so it's not about the local. It's not about just the local local networking. It's um, There's a lot of advantage to being able to leverage the virtual space. So one of the things you said, I was going to ask you, so you jumped into a lot and a lot of changes uh, pretty quickly. So thinking about your... ERG experience or you getting in then and now between now between then and now what are some of the things that maybe were not comfortable then that are more comfortable now what are some of the growth that you've seen even in yourself uh, from being part of the ERG yes okay so one thing for sure I mentioned the topic of like being comfortable with being uncomfortable and so Although most people that I've met wouldn't believe me when I say this, but I'm a very shy, introverted person. <laughs> um, and I, going throughout college, I tried to put myself in more positions to speak, to get more comfortable and to be more, uh, I don't know, like type A, so to speak. So I can just connect with more people. And joining a business council, I think, took that to the next level, right? So because now it's not just talking with people, yet sometimes it's in person, and especially nowadays, we're now more hybrid, so there's opportunities to meet in person, which I love because it's just nice to be able to see people face to face. But it's also great to, to meet people, period, and virtual virtual spaces allow that. So I definitely, I, I think now compared with when I first started, definitely better just overall with speaking. Um, but then also speaking on like difficult topics. So for example, last year there was a, a mass shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo. Um, where I, almost like a dozen um, black folks were killed just just randomly. It was not you know nonsensical violence. And when an event like that happens, obviously you know there's a lot of folks that you know will turn on the news and see this, and it's like, how can I look at this and then have a clear head to go do work? You know, mm -hmm. for, right? So you know the topic of creating safe spaces where people or emotional safe spaces where people can come and just talk, like closed group where people can feel safe and, and communicate. Um, that was one of the first times, it wasn't the first time, but it was one of the first times that I worked with my leadership team to organize something like on the fly, like that following mm -hmm. Monday or Tuesday, we had something that said, Hey, if you need you know, a place to talk, you know, we're here. And it was for all, you know, in Beatle members to be able to join. And while everyone didn't join, which is perfectly okay. Right. We still had a very good amount of people that attended. And as a, as the president, I was like, how am I going to guide this discussion? How mm -hmm. I, I'm not an expert at this, um, but I felt like a I learned how to lean on you know my 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 friends and my partners in leadership to be able to help navigate the discussion. Um, I love listening, um, and I realized how useful of a skill that is because sometimes it's not about what you say, right? It's how you say it, but it's also how you listen. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to hear different people's feedback and and because we're on, it was virtual, 
being able to pan around the screen and see people's expressions and the emotions they were feeling. I think that it just allowed us to feel a lot more connected. And it's amazing that there it's, it's, it's somehow possible to feel more connected on a video call with people in that type of intimate setting than sometimes it is to feel in a, a regular corporate meeting in person, right. right? So that's something that I really realized the power of being able to have difficult conversations. Uh, again, I'm not saying I'm a master at it, but I think that I'm way more experienced with it, at least now. Right. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. Right. And, and I think it's one of those things that <clears throat> ERG leaders listening to these or, or organizational leaders who are responsible for DEI, um, right. ERG leaders are people too, and yes. also struggle with, you know, I also need to be taken care of. I'm also struggling. And yes. a lot of times we put that aside and mm -hmm. we try to create these spaces. Um, but I love the way you put it. It's not about showing up in that space to be the expert for everybody. It's about making the space available right? so people know. And nobody is going to be first to come there, right? right? It's just we can't let the day pass without acknowledging that yes. people are not okay about these. So make exactly. sure you create the space. Yep. And even if it's all about silence, even if people just want to come and just talk about their feelings or emotions, that's fine. But you can't just go about and pretend like it's work as usual um, when these things happen. Um, and, and, and also, you know, when I work with managers, there's also this recognition as well, right? Like even if the ERGs don't do it as a manager, something like this happens over the weekend, you come in on Monday morning, check in, you know, even if that doesn't happen, this is the reason where we talk about, you know, individuals and, and identities and belonging. You don't know what happened in people's personal life over the weekend. Um, it's just being the awareness that work is not necessarily cleanly separate <laughs> from yes. personal life and feelings. And, yep. and sometimes just being able to support people through a crisis um, helps build more, you know, productivity at work. Yes. So yep. thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. For ERG leaders is definitely a reminder that no, I'm, I'm a person too, and I'm struggling yes. with this as well. Yep. And I, I really quick with that. I love that you mentioned that as well too, because I literally remember at, we did like a, a post call afterwards with some of the leadership. And one of the things that I said during the call and during like our kind of recap um, with just our leadership and some members of the DEI office was typically um, whenever I experience like a traumatic event, my natural reaction is to like compartmentalize it and just like focus on doing more work, right? That's like mm -hmm. my knee jerk reaction. And I, I know that about myself now. Um, and because I was focused on creating a safe space, I couldn't do that. I was forced to have to deal with my emotions with other people. Um, so that was a learning experience for me as well. But what I love about me saying that in that space was that when talking with some of my, I, I say friends because they're, they're coworkers, but after going something like that, you feel like you're friends now. Like, like it feels like I've known yep. these people for years, yep. right? Yes. Um, but the way that we were able to support each other and just say, listen, like, take your time. Like, you, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, we're here for you. You know, being able to have to feel supported in that space in such a new environment so soon, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of new employees don't get that type of support. And I was already feeling that, you know, right. after being with the company for less than three years. So I'm, I feel very blessed and very privileged to be able to, to have experienced that. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so if you are thinking about the audience, two separate audience for this uh, podcast, right? So there are people that are leading ERGs. Um, I, I think that's a very great takeaway and, and a reminder about you are not there to sacrifice yourself right. for the good of others. You are also there because you also have some needs. You're also right. human. So just um, be real with yourself and yeah. and lean on your other leaders when you need to. But I also yeah. wanted you to speak to people that maybe are not part of ARGs or if they are ARGs at their company are not active or maybe somebody who is a black Christian you know, in their 20s, who fits yeah. a lot of the identities that you have and is probably around the same level in their career. And and what are some of the things that you want them to walk away with as tools to navigate their corporate career? Great question. So um, as tools to navigate, um, so I'll kind of approach this from a few perspectives. One is something that you just mentioned, you know, everyone has needs and every professional has their needs for their career, right? Right. Um, so one of the benefits of just being an ERG leader, let alone, like, let alone just being a member, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, being a committee leader or a president, helping out in, in those capacities, um, the amount of visibility that you get and the network opportunities that you get, it sounds like it's fluff, but it's really not. It really makes the difference um, because in a three-year span or a little bit more, more than three years now, I've been able to see so much of the company. I didn't realize how big Motorola was <laughs> until when I first joined. And now I'm like, wow. And to be able to have an appreciation for our current vision and where we're going, to be able to know, you know people in all different parts of the company and to have, even to know that my name is, is being talked about in, you know, in rooms with senior leadership. Right. I've had people talk, you know, tell me like, hey, you know, we were talking about about you in a good way. Right. <laughs> That's great. I love to hear that. Um, and it makes me feel like, wow, what I'm doing is actually, you know, making a difference. It actually matters. And like you said, not just for the sake of, you know, being a sacrificial lamb, so to speak, for the greater good, but for also my own personal career. That's also really great because right. I'm very passionate. I'm very um, I think I could like I set very lofty goals and very ambitious. So these you know, being a business council leader or ERG leader gives me an opportunity to grow and develop and learn and also have visibility to help navigate, you know, my career. So if I wanted to be an engineer long, you, know, for, you know, forever, I definitely have more skills to be able to navigate that, maybe even go into management. But the role that I have now, I think I largely have it because people saw what I was capable of more like outside of my engineering role in an ERG role. So it definitely broadens your horizons. Um, right. Whether you want to stay within a specific role or not, it gives you a lot of very useful skills as any good leader should have. Um, so highly recommend, you know, getting involved in that regard. And then even someone who doesn't come from the exact same background as me, um, I think that being involved with your with any or all of the ERGs at your company, all might be, the, might be a lot, but at least getting involved with one, right? Um, I think it's very helpful because looking at things from other people's perspectives often just opens up a whole new way of thinking. And in this day and age, you know, if you, even if you're not an engineer, I think innovation is something that everyone can be a part of, right? Every, like a good idea really can come from, from everywhere. And one of my favorite quotes is that, you know, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you are, right, you're able to, if you're in a situation where you can contribute, you can, you can add 
um, you know, you, you have, everyone has a voice, you know, I encourage you to use it and to better learn how to use it um, and to better learn how to navigate, how you can you know, solve problems um, or just add value to whatever team you're on. Joining a business council is a great way to do that because it helps you practice looking at things from other people's perspectives. It, you can practice listening, you can practice strategizing, all different things that no matter what career path I think you go into, they're all going to be very valuable skills. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Nothing to add to that. I love it because, um, yeah, you, you, lived, you, you are living it. And, and it's, it's always helpful to hear people who actually have that experience with their own career. And um, so if you were also speaking to leaders, to organization leaders, uh, I think that's another perspective that I hope that, you know, these conversations will bring is if you, leaders that are responsible for overseeing ERGs or DEI strategy. As an ERG yes. leader and from your experience working with people from underrepresented identities in the corporate workplace, uh, what are some of the insights or advice you will give to leadership um, in, in, in your role, in your experience? Nice. Okay, so for if I was speaking with, to leadership in that case, I think some of the things that come to my mind off of the bat um, first off, are making sure that they have an appreciation for what the you know ERG leaders actually do. So, I mean, I, I love the concept of this podcast because I don't think like you're very well versed on what it takes to lead a council and the nuances that are required to be able to help make something actually work. Because it's one thing to say, oh, we want to we want to volunteer here. Or we want to have a professional development workshop. But to actually take an idea and like execute on it and make it make sure it's successful there's a lot that goes into that, right? And this is all voluntary. It's not like anyone's getting paid <laughs> typically to do this, right? So if you have an employee that's at, you know, meeting or exceeding their, their goals for their day job, and then on top of that, they're being an active or they're an active leader within their council, I think that one of, one of um, senior leadership's responsibilities should be to identify some of those people and make sure that you, will, that you have an appreciation for what they're doing, that they have that they, that they feel like they're in a safe space where they can continue to provide value and to provide suggestions um, to make sure they feel supported. Um, a lot of people will say they have an open door policy. And I love that as long as you truly do have an open door policy right. um, and, and that you can where you can provide ideas and suggestions. Um, I think also as well, it's really helpful to um, being able to have like one on one conversations like when I had a chance to meet our our senior vice president of sales, right? He actually came down for one of our um, our first Embito leadership meet, um, like full team meeting in person this year. And just having like just him taking the time out of his schedule to come meet with our team and to talk with us and to speak with me one on one, that was that meant the world to me because like I know he has a whole lot on his plate, right? right. But a lot of times, you know, people will say that money is important. Don't get me wrong, I. I won't forget that funding is definitely important, <laughs> right? You can't, important. Do, you can't do things without funding. Like that's, I definitely won't downplay that. That mm -hmm. definitely helps. Right. Um, but almost just as important, if, if like, at least just as important is how are you also leveraging and connecting with your ERG leaders to know that you care both in how you listen and also in how you speak on the ERG. So if you have a meeting or a town hall, are you mentioning them? Right. Are you highlighting the work they're doing? Because, when you show that you're listening by how you speak and then also helping to provide that, you know, that funding resource as well, too, 
people feel really energized. And I think that helps eliminate a lot of the burnout that a lot of people feel when they don't have access to a combination of funding or resources or just a listening ear um, from senior leadership. Right. No, I'm glad you said that about funding because um, there have been in, in 2022, there was a lot of conversation around uh, paying ERG leaders and yes. all of these conversations that it's easy to have at a very high level and simplified format, you know, paying ERG leaders. What does that even mean? Like, who are you identifying as ERG leaders? There are lots of people making ERG work. Are you talking about paying everybody or you're paying right. 10 people? who are in the global headquarters, you know what right. I'm saying? So there are so many nuances to that. And because I also work with ERGs, I've seen companies that money is the easiest for them to release, right? right? Like we give money to the ERGs, but mm-hmm. that does not equate to supporting your ERG. Exactly. And, and so I try not to have that conversation in isolation. Of course, I want ERGs to get compensated and I always use the term compensated. Um, yes. But, um, you know, I would rather see companies not pay ERGs, but create a budget and support yes. and yes. promote, right? So there's so many more that goes into that than just saying we pay our ERG leaders. What right. does that mean? Are you supporting them to grow? So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> oh, no problem. I, I was clapping as you were talking. I'm like, yes. Yeah, everything you say, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> yeah. It was so nice chatting with you. Um, Richard, is there anything else you want to add before I ask you my final question? Sure. Well, first, again, just thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. I love, I literally could talk about this forever. And I, I'm thank you just for inviting me, for sharing some of your knowledge too, because I know you have way more experience than I do. So thank you for just making yourself available in that, in that way. Um, and I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. I'm very, very thankful. So I'm happy to to listen, learn, and to help out however I can. Yeah. Thank you. I am definitely looking forward. I'm glad we connected. I'm looking forward to, um, working together this year. Um, so my final question might sound weird, maybe not related to ERG, but trust me, I want to know (laughs) if you were to share a dish with your coworkers. So a dish could be maybe a meal, a snack, um, something that speaks about your culture, your background, your identity, what would that be? And why did you pick that? Oh, so hands down, hands down. The uh, answer to this question for me is sweet potato pie. Ooh. Uh, because that, so in my family, that is like one of the most elite like <laughs> desserts. It's like, my, it's my personal favorite. Um, Do you and make it? I, so I don't make it, but I need to learn. So both my grandmothers have made it. So one okay. of my grandmothers passed away, but she made a really, really good one. And my grandmother that's still alive also makes a really, really, really good one. So I'm very thankful. I wish I had more in the house, but too many days have passed since Christmas and Thanksgiving. So it's all gone. You'll be seated and you bring a lot of, and and store it up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I need to get the recipe so I can pass it down to my kids too. But definitely that's what I would pick. Oh, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And again, congratulations on your new role and and just your career growth and, and path. So far, thank you for the work you do with ERGs. Um, I know that's definitely not an easy one. So we appreciate the passion and the drive that you bring uh, to changes and to building an inclusive workplace for your employees. I look forward to chatting with you again, maybe after you've been in your role for a while. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, there's one more thing. Can I add one sure. thing as well before we close out? 
So I was still just thinking about, you know, Motorola and the RG. So outside of Motorola, I mentioned that I'm very entrepreneurial. Oh, yes. Um, so yes, oh, I'm, start, what's I'm starting, I'm starting a, a business. Um, I, I'm working with a few friends. So the, the, our slogan is there's greatness in all of us. You just have to find it. Right. So mm -hmm. the company is called Interlude. It's about, you know, kind of finding the best within yourself and using that to be the best version of yourself. Um, so, and we're built around two pillars. One is, you know, continuous improvement and the other one is diversity in STEM. So we, a lot of our, you know, programming and, um, and opportunities, you know, to like to purchase things from us as well, will be all be centered around that. So coming soon, right. We're going to have a website launch. So it'll be interlude.com and you'll find us on social media as well. Um, we'll hopefully have some videos on social media to kind of go along similar to kind of with some of the things you're, that you're doing with your podcast. So I'll hopefully access some of those conversations, um, and help highlight people, um, different minorities and under, underrepresented people in STEM. Um, awesome. and then we'll also have soon an apparel line coming out along with developing some actual apps as well. So you'll see some, a lot okay, of our apps. So you're not completely abandoning the tech side. I would definitely, yeah, you know, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I'm still an engineer at heart. You're still an engineer at heart. Okay, good exactly. to know. Exactly. So you will definitely see some apps coming um, our, your way as well, too. So cool. stay tuned. It'll be a very exciting 2023. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Well, we're keeping an eye out. Let us know when it comes out. I'd love to share it. Awesome. And, and thank you for thank you for joining me, Richard. Take care. You too. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website, www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.